Well, again, I'm Jack, one of the pastors here, and it's an honor to have you here. And we, uh, before I dive into the message tonight, it's just great to worship and just to linger in God's presence. We're going to, for those of you who might be new, uh, usually we'll teach for a little bit, and then we have a space and a time for communion and a couple songs to kind of end the night and a final parting word type thing. So that's kind of what's coming. Uh, but tonight, as we start the sermon, I wanted to mention uh, two different things, because a lot of times we'll mention something, we don't get a chance to really unpack it a little bit. And so first off is a new thing that we're kind of doing with Facebook, and uh, it's to let you know about the, the partnership we have with a company called Reach, which basically helps you and I kind of get the name of Element City Church out. You know, we've been here about two years and uh, launched about two and a half years ago here to Midtown, and we're still kind of, I think we're uh, to be honest, I think we're one of the best kept secrets in town, and I think a lot of people just don't know. And so uh, we want to try to help get that name out, but we don't like billboards, and we don't like commercials, and we think that's weird and inauthentic, and we'd love people just to hear from other people who like it and go. And so what we've partnered with is with Reach, and because we're a church who likes to invite people into a life-giving relationship with Jesus, we've got to invite people. And at the same time, we're a church that likes to do stuff. And so the beautiful part of Reach is not only does every check-in, so this new, uh, this March we started, right? And we worked with Reach and their partnerships with churches all across the United States. And we were able to give just over 40,000 vitamins to at-risk kids all across the United States. That's pretty sweet, right? All you did was check in. That's pretty cool. So you can clap for that. That's nice. Uh, that's a good thing. So April, we are partnering with FeedOne.org. FeedOne is uh, an an kind of an organization, a ministry that's working with feeding children, and you can look up feedone.org, and every two check-ins gets a meal to a kid. So my invitation to you and to all of us is just, hey, when you're here, uh, we'd love for you to check in, just say, hey, I'm here taking in Element City Church, whatever you wanna write to it, if I don't like that guy's shirt, whatever. Um, just you check in, and it kinda gets that, and we do that as a church, but the cool thing is it's multiplied by churches all across the United States who are a part of this uh, campaign and doing this to do good. Every month there's a different organization, make sense? So that's the full explanation of that partnership there with Facebook and with Reach organization and such. So let me change gears to the second announcement I wanna let you know about. Um, let's see, a year ago, or just under a year ago, in November, we got to go to Ecuador. And uh, we partnered with Pantano Christian Church and Revive, and some of you, how many of you have a compassion child there in Ecuador? So a few of us uh, are sponsoring a kid there in the, the Compassion Children's Center that's there. And what we did is we helped launch a church as well as a Compassion Center. So a Compassion Center deals with everywhere, anywhere from 200 to 400 kids on, uh, it's on the ground. So who are there feeding them, doing ministry with them, doing after school tutoring, working with them, working with the families. And so last year we got to go, we sent four of us, and then this is the completed building. So that's the building, that, that's what it looked like in November. And then fast forward here, that's what it looks like today. So it's built, that's the church building, it's finished, and that's really super cool. Uh, you'll see that's the congregation that meets there, and then the next picture has, remember we painted the murals there, the classrooms are on the left, on the right is the new kitchen. Because the four of us who went last year, John, weren't you amazed how they fed all those kids out of that one kitchen that we wouldn't really call a kitchen, would we? It was, it was pretty bad, let's be honest. Josh, right? Pretty bad. So, um, yeah, the bathroom was right around the corner. So it was the, this is the brand new kitchen that's working there. Uh, and Carlos uh, and Elizabeth had their baby. 
and uh, just had their baby boy and uh, doing really healthy and well and they are on the move to the city Plyus here in the next couple months and going full time working with this church and the Compassion Center itself has over 200 kids sponsored in that surrounding region. And so what we're doing at Element City Church is helping make a difference. We have that little tag that says Elements Loves Ecuador. And the reason I'm talking about it is because A, part of your giving helps us do that. And it makes a difference around, this is kind of the front of the church building. But I wanna tell you about this trip that's coming up this coming November. We're gonna chance to go back with the team from Pantano as well. And in November, the 12th through the 19th, uh, we're heading back down to Ecuador. Some people have asked, okay, well, do I need to have a, a sponsored child to go? No, okay? If you happen to have a sponsored child there in Ecuador, then you are gonna get to meet them. You're gonna get to go to their house. You're gonna get to hang out with them for a whole day. If you don't have a sponsored child in Ecuador, that doesn't mean you're less than. It just means you get to go and, and be with other kids that are a part of this. This is over 200 kids are a part of this Compassion site. So if you're interested at all in going on the weekly, if you click, there's an application and there's an Ecuador information sheet. I don't want to make sure that you're getting that information because in May, the middle of May, we're going to have our first meeting and then kind of fundraise through the summer and then we'll have some additional meetings coming up in the fall. So I want to make sure that gets on your radar screen. If you're at all interested in going, please talk to me. I'd love to have you go with us on, on this trip and it would be a great opportunity for you to, to make a difference in a different country along with a project that we're partnered with there. Sound good? Sweet. All right. Take your Bibles. Go with me to, uh, we're going to be all over uh, tonight. So if you got you version, you can follow along there. If not, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter two for a little bit, but we're kind of going all the way around looking at launching this series called Changing. The reality that every single one of us has a next step in our faith journey following Jesus. And so no matter where you are in that journey, maybe you're here and you're checking out church for the very first time. I think it's awesome that you're here. And, and get invested, get curious about this guy, Jesus. For many of us, we've been walking with Jesus and following him the best we know how as we've walked through this life, maybe for a little time, maybe for a long time, but the reality is every single one of us has a next step in our faith journey of following Christ. And change is the norm of your life. How many of you say amen? Change is normal, right? How many of you grew up with the telephone that had a cord that attached to a wall? How many of you? Okay, a few of you. How many of you have no idea what that is? Okay, that's a few of you in the room. How many of you grew up with the frustration of having to program a thing called a VCR? <laughs> it's vintage. Okay, it's cool now. The weird thing with that is you had to actually rewind the tape because it was tape. And before you took it back to this ancient store called Blockbuster, I don't know if you've read about it or Googled it at any time, but it used to be this thing called Blockbuster that you'd have to go to. They had these things that you had to go. Change is a part of your life. How many of you remember the times where you stood in line at the grocery store because there was no self-checkout? And it always seemed like you got in the longest line possible, right? And you had those opportunities. How many of you remember kind of buying uh, things where you had to actually go to a mall. You ever heard of a mall? You've been to a mall and they, like stuff didn't get shipped to your door through this like company called Amazon. Like that didn't exist. Like you had to actually get in your car and drive to this place called the mall where lots of people hung out. It was like ants running all around and you would bump into people. Or remember the time you kind of growing up years thinking about um, how you actually had to print out stuff like to go to a concert. Like you actually had to print out a ticket 
Or your airline, when you would go for a flight, you actually had to print out your boarding pass instead of showing people this fancy thing called a, an iPhone or Android. Let's be honest. We all know. Okay. <laughs> Remember when self-driving cars was a thing of the old cartoon, The Jetsons? and now they're kind of almost a reality. And so change is normal, isn't it, in your life? Look at your neighbor, look at them, and I want you to say these words, you have changed. You have changed. Now look at your other neighbor so they don't feel left out, and say you have changed also. Because the reality is you're sitting in this chair, right? You were born a long time ago, and you didn't sit you just laid around. You occasionally rolled. Eventually, you kind of crawled or just continuously rolled. And then you stumbled on your feet and you kind of walked around a little bit and you actually did this thing called growing up. <gasps> wow. Like if I were to show you baby pictures of you, some of you'd be like, man, I am the most adorable baby ever. Some of you, the bad memories, I'm sorry. Uh, but you've changed. The reality is of your life, change is a part of what happens in you. And the truth is, spiritually speaking, it's actually meant to be part of the normal way of followers of Jesus. It's supposed to be the norm in how we live spiritually, that we're continually changing, that we're continually adapting, that we're continually moving forward in our faith, maybe having things changed within us, things that Maybe God wants to be a little bit better. Things that we say, hey, we, we struggle with these kind of things. And so this series is really looking at this idea of what change is and how do we help cooperate with that? How do we hesitate that? How can we kind of hold that in check? And how can we move forward in that? And so as we look through these next three weeks, you're gonna hear some stories from individuals right here in the Elements family of how God's been changing them. And tonight I wanna look at two big theological words, they're $10 seminary words, they just, you've heard them, uh, but I want you to kind of unpack a little bit about them, and, and it's change on two dimensions, okay? One is, it's change on a level that only God can do, that's salvation, okay? Big $10 seminary word, salvation, we'll kind of unpack it in a second. The second one is this idea of, of sanctification, which is another big $10 seminary word that just says this is change that you get to partner with. It's kind of you partnering with God on that. Sanctification is kind of understanding that this is a change that's progressive and happening. Salvation is this idea of a permanent change that only God can do. And when you look through the scriptures, what you begin to understand that this is all over where you look at it. You may not see the word sanctification. In fact, you probably won't find that written in your Bible. But the, through every page of the scriptures, you will find the idea, the notion, the rhythm of what that progressive change means as a follower of God. And how do you begin to live out this kind of change? Well, it starts with this salvation. This is about a personal decision. And spiritual change starts with new life, not just turning over a new leaf. How many of you have ever exercised before or had a New Year's resolution, right? You've had a New Year's resolution. Maybe you kept it, maybe you didn't. And this idea that you were, that beginning of that year, you're gonna turn over a new leaf. You were gonna change. Well, the reality of, of a spiritual change on a salvation kind of level is not that because it's not based on you. It's based on what God does. And this is why we celebrate Easter. This is why we bring and celebrate Jesus and who he is and all he's done. He is, 
he is the famous one. He's the most important. He's way more important than anyone in this room. He's the one that needs championed because he does something that none of us can do on our own effort and our own merit. We may think we can. We may try to be that kind of person and try to make this kind of change, but a salvation change, a change on a God level, only happens via God. It doesn't happen through you, through me. Look at how Paul describes this in Ephesians chapter two. This is how he writes. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions. What can a dead person do? Yeah, nothing's the word we're looking for. Dead person can't do anything. You are dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. He goes on, verse two. All of us have lived among them at one time, kind of gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts and things we had. We were by nature deserving of wrath. This is where we were. This was our standing before a holy and perfect God. That's our condition. We were stuck. But because of his great love for us, God, not you, not me, not any other preacher, not anybody, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. We were dead. What did dead people do? Nothing, okay? We, were, we had no hope. It is by grace that you've been saved, Paul goes on. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he may show his incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in the kindness of of Christ Jesus. He goes on, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast about it. This is a gift of God. For we are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship, one translation says. Created in Christ Jesus to now do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. That's a mouthful, okay? That's a lot, I get it. But here's what it's saying. Salvation is a gift of God. You can't deserve it. You can't earn it. It's a total gift of faith. It comes at this place where we say, I'm no longer recognizing that I can lead my life to make my way to a holy and perfect God. I recognize that I need someone to bridge the gap. I need a savior. That's what Jesus said he was. To come to save those who would turn to him. So the reality is maybe you're kind of back into church for the first time and, and this seems like a lot of deep stuff and you're like, whoa, I just, I just wanna be a nice person. Okay, well, that's good. But the reality is we try to be new and good people by turning over a new leaf. Okay, I'm not gonna be as angry now. I'm gonna, we're gonna work on that. I'm not gonna be an angry person anymore. Then someone cuts you off in traffic, right? or someone cuts you off in line at some fast food place you're going or some place that you're in line for and, and you find yourself becoming irritable, right? And you find yourself becoming so irritable that you're thinking things about them and you are actually having conversations with this person that you don't even know their name and you're winning and you're winning really well but you've lost. Why? Because in in essence, you were trying to work it all out on your own. You were trying to be a new person. And the reality is we need new life, not just turn over a new leaf. And that's the beauty of the, the God kind of change that he can do as we put our faith in Jesus. And we say, Jesus, we don't know everything, but the best we know how, I'm, I'm turning the keys of my life over to you. 
You drive, I'll ride shotgun. Okay, you rescued me, I'm putting my trust in you, not what I do. You've heard the old famous saying, okay, Christianity is about what Jesus has done, not about what you try to do. Okay, this is about his effort, what he accomplished in his life, in his death on the cross, and his resurrection that said the check cleared, God made a way for us to have life with him through faith in Jesus. That's salvation. That's the change that only God can do. That's the change we need to come to a place of accepting and owning. Now for some of you, you may not be at that place yet, and that's okay. But in the clearest way I can say, that's what the Bible talks about, as a life change that needs to happen for you to have a right relationship with God. You can know a lot about God, you can study about God, and that's great and you should. But to actually be in life with God, in living a life relationship with him, it comes down to the idea of accepting where he's at. See, real spiritual change starts with a new life that we get in and through Jesus, not just turning over a new leaf. This is what Paul writes. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That things have passed away and God has given us a whole new status in our relationship with him. The very heart of the Christian faith revolves around this idea of a change that only God can do. It's at the core of everything, and it starts there. That's where you have to start. This is a, reminds you of a story maybe Jesus had with Nicodemus, right, in John chapter three. Nicodemus, very spiritual person, a very faithful person, a very moral person living out his Jewish faith and, and kind of coming to this place, but he, he goes to Jesus and he has this question. He goes to him at night because he knows, he, he has these questions that he can't find answers for anywhere else and he wants it to kind of be on the DL, kind of down low with Jesus and he's having this conversation and Jesus says, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, mind blown, what does that mean? And it's this whole idea of saying, this is not about something that you can do. I can't crawl back in and be born again. Like, that's weird, okay? What Jesus is trying to unpack is this is a work of God that only God can do, that he can save a soul. And so this hope that we have, see, following rules and following a religious structure or system will modify your behavior, but it will not, it will not change your life. It'll just modify your behavior. And that's okay, you can be a moral person but it's not gonna change your standing between where you and God are because God is holy and he is perfect, he is set apart. And in order for us in our imperfection, in our own brokenness, in our sin, to get to him, we need someone else to bridge the gap. That's the point of Jesus. So all the Christian faith starts there. It starts with a personal decision of faith, of trusting Jesus and only in him. This is what Peter says. He stands up in the book of Acts chapter four and he says, look, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind in which they must be saved. Now that seems really uh, exclusive. Like, okay, that's just one thing. But the reality is this is the most inclusive offer ever because anyone and everyone can say yes to Jesus. They don't have to say no. They can say yes and say, I'm putting my trust in him. There's no other belief system. There's no other um, mode of, of behavior modification that we have to follow. It is simply, Jesus, you did something I can't do, period. 
and I'm putting all my eggs in your basket, and I'm trusting in you. Would you lead me forward? So that's the change that God can do. Now the secondary part of that, the second side of that coin, is this idea of sanctification, which is a big $10 seminary word that you necessarily won't find in the pages of your Bible, but you'll find throughout the pages. In every story, in every part of the New Testament, you begin to understand this idea, this is about progressive change in who we are and who we're becoming and how we're following after God, how God is changing our hearts to be more like him. This is a part of, uh, of, of changing us to be more and more like Jesus, and it's a work that God wants to do in our hearts, changing our heart, our character, our thought life, our actions, our reactions, how we view life, how we even see the world around us, that we begin to, to have God work on changing us to be more and more like him. It's part of what we yearn for in eternal life of saying, hey, I want to be a person that says this. This is why spiritual change is a process, not a destination. Spiritual change is a process, not a destination. This is why Paul says in, uh, in Philippians, remember he says, being confident of this, of he who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. There is none of us who are gonna be perfect this side of heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, you're never gonna be perfect. It's okay, because that's truth. That's reality, you can say that to me. You're never gonna be perfect. This side of heaven, this is an ongoing progressive work that God wants to do in your heart, in my heart, in your life, in my life, in our lives together to say, he who started the work will be faithful to complete it but it's gonna take this entire lifetime of processing where God's chipping away at maybe parts of your character, parts of your mindset, part of how you see life or how you react to life or how you interact with people that he's always gonna want to be changing us to become more and more like him. It's this idea that God is having more and more control in us. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. So to all of us who have this veil removed, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, meaning we can now see God for who he is because of what Jesus has done. That Jesus and the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That God's at work changing who you are to be a better reflection of Jesus in this world and in your life, and how you deal, and how you navigate life. This is what he says in Romans 8. And we know that all things God works together for good for those who love him, that we have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. You don't become Jesus, okay? (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, you're not Jesus. Because that's the reality. We're not. But... We are called to become more and more like him in nature, to become more and more like him in how we do life and how we see life, how we interact in life. And so the challenge becomes, how do we do that? How do we do that? First, I gotta trust in what God can do, that's the salvation. It's, It's a God change only he can do. Secondly, it's this sanctification. It's just a big word that says it's this progressive change. And how do I align my life to be a person that's changed more and more, that's becoming more and more like Jesus this year than last year? See, a lot of times in church, we could talk about spiritual growth and we could talk about this idea of becoming more like Jesus and we put qualifiers on it. And we say, well, if you just memorized more of the Bible, then you'll be more like Jesus. 
Now, I'm a firm believer that you should memorize the word, that, that what the psalmist says in Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you, that it's important to memorize scripture, but it doesn't mean that you automatically become more spiritual by doing so. I know a lot of people that know a lot of scripture that are really jerks. Can we just call it what it is? Does that mean that they're spiritually mature? No, see, this is about maturity. This is about maturing in your faith. You had to be taught for, as a kid of how to sit at a table, right? I'm still working with some of my kids on this. Like, this is how we sit at a table when we're out to eat somewhere, okay? We don't stand on our head. We don't roll around in the booth. You know, we don't do that because that's not civilized. Monkeys do that, okay? We're not monkeys, okay? We are the Shoal family. That's who we are. And so we work on things. Why? Because I have to help my kids mature as they grow. You know that. You've lived that. Listen, it's the same thing spiritually that we're all a work in progress. Look at your neighbor, say you're a work in progress. You're a work in progress. Because we all are, right? We're all a work in progress as God is being about this progressive work of changing us to be more and more like him. To, to see the world like Jesus sees it. To respond like Jesus would respond. To, to interact in the world the way he would. To, to have our heart and our character. Maybe there's issues in our own heart that need to be chipped away. And tonight, I want you to hear from one of the folks that, that calls Elements home, and we love her. And I, I've gotten to know Christine for a lot of years now, and I'm so excited for you to kind of hear her story. This is one snapshot of her story of what God's been doing in her life, and I can attest to several others because she's a great woman of God who is seeking to have God do a changing work in her. And I want you to hear her story, and then we'll share a few things. Christine, thanks for sharing your story. Um, it's a story of change. I've seen um, multiple other examples within her own life of how God has been changing her and her saying yes. In a lot of ways, this is a process that uh, Paul kind of gets to again in Ephesians chapter three. He says this, um, because the truth is in Jesus, because you've trusted him, you took off your former way of life, the old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and you're being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new man, the one created according to God's likeness and his righteousness and his purity. And what you're doing in essence is you're kind of letting go of the old and taking hold of the new. And that's this journey. That's what sanctification is all about. That's this idea of pursuing God and allowing God to do a work in your life. In essence, it's really about this principle. It's a, adopting the habit of letting go and grabbing a hold. It's adopting the habit of letting go of some things that God's wanting you to let go of in order to grab a hold of the things that he wants and desires and dreams for you. And you've gotta let go. That may be a habit that you've got, you're like, it's just getting you sideways in life, and you've gotta get to the place where you're able to let go of that. And does that happen by pure willpower? No, because the reality is you gotta grab hold of something else to kinda fill that gap, and so it's saying yes to the best that Jesus has for you. Maybe it's the way you spend your resources, and it's saying, hey, we've been, I've been doing this, and it's got me to this place, and you don't like where it's at, 
then maybe God actually has some principles to talk about that. And you can learn to let go of some old habits that you had and grab hold of some principles that he has and it'll lead you to a better place. Maybe it's parts of your character. Maybe I've had people come and share, I've got anger issues, okay? Well, the only way you deal with anger and you deal with that is anger is just hurt, okay? It's just deep down hurt. And so you've gotta deal with the hurt and we've gotta mourn and comfort that and help you deal with that in order that you can let go of that hurt in order to grab hold of the love God actually has for you and wants to put on display in and through your life. You can put a number of scenarios in here. The challenge is letting go, right? You ever had a toddler um, who has a toy and you're trying to get that toddler to share that toy with someone else and so you do the typical thing that like as, a, as an aunt or an uncle or as a parent, you, just, you go and take it because you're bigger, right? And how does that usually work out? Really poorly, doesn't it? I mean, toddlers, there's just like octave level that they can hit that it's like they call dogs and like birds from Africa with that octave level, right? And you're like, ah, oh, just stop and you give the toy back, right? And it's this idea, we are very selfish as a, as a people and how we're wired. It's part of our old person. It's part of, I think, part of the things that God wants to break loose in our lives. And so we've got to learn to let go. Some of us are just, you know, this idea that we struggle with the idea of being afraid. And so fear holds us back from letting go and grabbing a hold of what God has for us. So we struggle with just change because the reality is change hurts. That's why people don't change because it hurts. It disrupts the comfortability that they have. And so they struggle to actually let go of that. The question is and becomes, as people, what hurts worse? Staying where we are or getting to where God wants us and dreams us to go? If it's gonna hurt, does it hurt more to stay where you're at and the damage and things that continue to go that if you're a person who, who's struggling with anger and the way that it's messing up relationships around you, doesn't that just hurt and cause as much hurt as trying to learn to let go and grab hold of how do I be a person that lives out loving God, loving people? How do I let go of some of this stuff that I've been carrying around? This is a challenge. This is not easy. Uh, Tom Rainier and Ed Stetzer wrote a book called The Transformational Church. In that, they have this quote. It says, you can't choose whether change will come or not, but you can choose whether to embrace it or resist it. And the reality, friends, of the position of which we stand this week is change is part of the norm. And it's meant to be part of the norm and your spiritual journey as well. It will come. And you can have one of two stances to it. You can either resist it and say, God, that area of my life is off limits. You can't touch that one. I'll give you these other ones, but you can't touch that one. And I think a lot of times God says, Okay, I'll take these other ones for now. But I haven't forgotten about that one. We'll circle back around. Because that area of your life is hurting you. And it's not getting you to the place that I want you to get to. And so, sure, I'll let you have some space right now. Uh, you're still gonna be damaged by it. But I'm gonna circle back around because I want you to get to a healthy place. You can resist it or you can embrace it and say, God, I want to live a journey the best I know how following you where I'm learning to let go of some things I need to let go of, to grab a hold of the things that you have for us that are really for the better and for the best, and that you'd say yes to those things. 
and that you continue to move forward in that in life. And that's whether you're a teenager, whether you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 70s, all along this journey. Why? Because this is about progressive change as a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, well, then you're back to the first change. That's the first thing that has to happen of getting to the place of either you can run your life on your own and you're welcome to do that, or Jesus would look and stand in front of you and say, I've made a way for your life to run a whole lot better and for you to actually have life instead of this mess that you have, that you actually get to have a relationship with me and you just gotta say yes to it and you've gotta come to a place of surrender. That's the first change. After that, it's this continual progressive change. So here's the question as we move into a time of communion as we worship here to end up the night. Um, is what's that change for you? Think back over the last two, three months of your life. What have you been sensing that God's been trying to get a hold of your attention? Where he's been saying, hey, here's an area of your life I wanna bring some change to. Here's a thought pattern that you have. Here's an activity that you're kind of involved in. Here's a habit that you're going down. Here's the choices that you're making that aren't you bringing you to your best. And, and, And maybe he's been trying to get your attention. Maybe it's through other people. Maybe it's through some scriptures you've been reading. Maybe it's a song that he's been bringing across your mind to kind of lead you to the place. But what is it? Because every single one of us has a next step. That's the point. You have one, I have one. And so in those moments, we're to say, hey God, what is my next step? And here's the prayer I wanna ask you to pray for the next three weeks, okay? As we kind of work our way through this series, is just simply asking God, God, what's my next step? Everybody has one. And so in a minute, as we take communion, you'll have space and time to move to do that as we remember the life, the death, resurrection of Christ, as we take a moment to kind of center ourselves again, that this is all about God's grace, it's his gift, and that we get to have a new life with him, and we get to enter into this idea of pursuing life with him as he's changing us. But I want you to invite you in these next couple worship songs and in communion to pray that prayer this week and all throughout this week. God, what's my next step? and invite God to be a part of that process. What's my next step? And that you would make him part of that and that you'd learn to figure out, okay, what's the one he's kind of calling you to do and how can you let go of something in order to grab hold of God's best and what he has. And so Father, I pray that uh, you would take us on a journey these next three weeks, that you'd help us to become a people that uh, with a humility in our hearts says, God, what's our next step? What's my next step? We thank you for the grace that you give us in Jesus. As we pause to remember that in communion, as we take this bread and remember that this is his body broken for us, as we drink this juice and remember that it was his blood that was spilt in a way for the forgiveness of our sins to make a way for us to have life with you through faith in him. Father, as we take that, as we sing these songs, I pray that you'd stir our heart to pray that uh, all this week you would bring reminder after reminder to us that we would seek you out and say, God, what's my next step? What's the change in the area of life? Which area of life is it? What's my next step that you wanna work with me, that you wanna bring some changing to pass in my life? And would you give us the passion and the gumption to say yes to that? Father, we remember you, we worship you. We're so thankful for the work you did for us in Jesus and the work you want to continually do in us and through us. 
and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.